All right, Matthew 16, we got down through verse 15, 16 down in there. So we're going to pick up in verse 15 and uh, just kind of go back through some of this and hopefully uh, work our way down through about verse 20 or so and, uh, and just uh, see what's going on here. Uh, let's start reading in verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and other Jeremiah, or, other one, of, uh, or one of the prophets. And uh, we looked at that ver those verses there. Uh, we, I, t I talked with you about the issue of why Jeremiah is listed and that issue of the man-child, and that issue of the tribulation. And again, the Lord continually points to and moves their thinking to that future time, the 70th week of Daniel, and into the kingdom, because what is he preaching? Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. So he's getting them ready. He's going to, verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus showing to his disciples how he's got to go up to Jerusalem and he's going to die. Well... He hadn't been talking about that. He's been getting them ready for the time after he dies. He's going to resurrection, ascended, that early Acts period, getting them all ready for that kingdom. So that's really the connection there with Jeremiah. And we looked at that. Verse 15, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Okay, guys, you've been all over social media. Who's everybody talking about that I am out there? John the Baptist, Elijah, and so forth. Then he says, wait a minute, who do you guys think I am? He brings this in, and he brings, he, he gets out of public opinion, and then he comes in closer, and verse 16, Peter just can't help himself, and Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You know, Peter, right in the middle of it, right up front, can't help himself, and he says, you are the son uh, of the living God. And so the Lord acknowledges that, verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but, unto my, uh, but my Father which is in heaven. Go back to chapter 11 of Matthew. Because what you see here is Peter gets the, gets the revelation directly from the Father about who the Lord is. Matthew 11, look at verse 27. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will Reveal him. And that's an interesting verse. No one knows the Father. No one knows the Son. But if you're going to know the Father, who are you going to know him through? The Son. But what does Peter say? Peter says, hey, I got the direct revelation. I, I got who you are. And the Lord says, yep, my Father told you. Back in Matthew 16. Flesh and blood hath not revealed that unto you. You see, the Lord says, who, who do these guys say I am? Who do you say I am? Peter, right in the middle of it, you're the son, the living God. The son of the living God. By the way, 
If you notice in verse 13, when he asks that question, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And then Peter in verse 16 says, thou art the Christ, Messiah, the, the anointed one, the Son of the living God. So the Son of Man and the Son of God are equal here in the passage as they are both a reference to Israel's Messiah. And, and again, we're kind of slowed down here a little bit in our clip through Matthew, but I want you to, th this passage that we're getting into is a passage that gets to be critically abused in religion out there and then subsequently extremely misunderstood by Bible-believing students. So when he says here, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the living God, they, they are talking about the Messiah. Now, come over to John 1. Did we look at John 1 last time? I can't remember, but we're going to look at it again, okay? John 1. <clears throat> John 1. Again, Matthew, here's Israel's Messiah, here's Israel's King. John 1, look at verse 41. He first findeth his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Now, so Simon, that's Peter. By the way, um, this is Andrew coming out of verse, uh, verse 40. One of the two which heard John speak, followed him, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said unto him, Andrew here, and he says, who did we find? We found the Messiah. We found the Christ. So the Messiah and Christ are equal to one another. Verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Now that's going to come back to Matthew 16. That's going to jive up here with what we're looking at in Matthew 16. Uh, hold on to John 1, but look back here at Matthew 16. I know, I'm sorry, I didn't say it fast enough for you. <laughs> I, I let go of it too, and it was like, oh, I got to go back to it. <laughs> so I'm in the same boat with you, okay? Matthew 16, verse 17 and Jesus answered him, answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Now, he's already he told him in John 1, which is way before this event in Matthew 16, that you are the, you're Simon, the son of Jonah. Bar means son, okay? And he's the son of Jonah. That's, so, that's who he is. And, and by the way, you'll notice back in John 1, verse 42, he calls him Cephas. Anytime there's a name change, Abram goes to Abraham. Peter's got like three names. Simon Peter, Peter, Cephas. You know, he's, he's got some names. Paul was Saul. Okay? When there's name changes like that. And by the way, if you think about how many name changes, there's only a few guys that had their names changed. Abraham, Paul, Peter. Okay? When those things happen like that, those are things to pay attention to because something's going on. So when you see Abram has his changed name to Abraham, why? Because he's now the father of, of many nations. 
of, the, of those that believe, Genesis uh, there. So w- Peter has his name changed. He, he's Simon Peter, then he's Peter, now he's both, I, I want to call him Bocephus. <laughs> but if you know anything about Hank Williams, there, you know, and, and country music, that was Hank Williams uh, Jr.'s uh, name, was Bocephus. Anyway, a little nickname, but he's Cephas, but what does Cephas mean? Rock, which means a stone. So back in Matthew 16, hold on to John 1, verse 17, he says, Blessed art thou, Simon, for flesh and blood. In other words, here's who you are, Simon, in the flesh. In the flesh you are Simon Barjona, Matthew 16, 17. But you are who you are in the flesh, and that's not how you know who I am. The Father gave that information to you. You're going to be called Peter, verse 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. He says, I'm going to, you're going to, you're Peter now. You're not Simon Notice it's Simon Barjona. We're going to drop the Simon. We're going to just call you Peter now. Again, that name, those little name fix, because he's going to do something with Peter here now that he hadn't done with Peter prior to this. And that's it. literally in verse 19 there, he's going to make him the chief of the apostles. He's going to put him in charge. Now flip back over to John 1. Thou art Peter... He's going to call him Cephas, going to call him a stone. All these things are connected together here. John 1, verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Verse 49. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. That's who he is. So the Messiah, Christ, the Christ, is what? The King of Israel. They're all going to be connected. Now, let go of John, come back there to Matthew 16, okay? I am, I am positive. I, I Believe me, I, when I did, I was like, doggone it, I should have said hold on to John. <laughs> Not now, okay? I, I'm positive. So there's some things here that are, that are, that are going to be happening now in verse 17 and 18. But before we do that, I, w- I want you to notice something in verse 17 that, that uh, again, that name change and those little critical little things. For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. If you come over to Galatians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says something along the same lines. Galatians chapter number 1, verse 15. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Verse 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So just as Peter got the revelation 
about the person of Christ and who he was directly from God the Father without any flesh and blood in between them, Paul says, I received my revelation the same way. Galatians 2, look at verse 7. Galatians 2, 7. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Peter and Paul are on absolutely equal authority. The, same, the, the apostle Paul, he, he'll say, I don't come a whit behind the chief those guys over there. I, I don't, I'm right, I'm equal with them. The same way Peter got it is the same way I got it. No flesh and blood in between. Direct revelations from Peter's case, the father. Go back to Matthew 16. And then in, in, in Paul's case, the, the, the son himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Just a little catch that. Verse 17. Uh, verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So again, the divine revelation. Verse 18. And I say also unto thee. Now, the Lord is going to confirm some things with Peter. That thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The rock in the passage, that's what we're going to talk about here now. The rock issue is the confession that Peter just made about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what, when he says, upon this rock. Okay? What did Peter just say? about the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was he? He's the son of the living God. You see the father just the father just gave Peter a direct and special revelation as to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So guess what? There's no confusion about it. It's a revelation that he got from the father. He said flesh and blood had nothing to do with this. It's a supernatural insight from the Father given to Peter into who Christ is, to, into his true person. When Peter said, you're the son of the living God, he's saying you are Messiah. By the way, there's no hesitation by Peter in this. There's no doubt. Why? Because God the Father said this is who he is. It's kind of like that thing in John 1 when John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. There's no hesitation. To actually, John looks at the Lord and says, you ought to be baptizing me. And he says, no, that's not how this works. As it is written, so shall it be fulfilled. You've got to do this. But then, Paul, but then John says, I knew who he was because this is what the Father told me. See? So when we get into this issue here about the rock and everything, that, that 
the proclamation of Peter about thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, is, what's, is, 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 is what the rock is, verse 18. And I say unto, also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, again, I, Brother Morris Chestnut told me one time, every word in every verse is important. There are no throwaway words. There, even the italic words, he would say. There are, you don't get rid of any of them. You don't skip over any of them. So guess what? Every word here in this section is going to be very critical because what Peter just said, the Lord says, verse 18, and I say also unto thee. The Father's given you a revelation, Peter. Now I'm going to give you some more information. I'm going to tell you something else. We're going to add to that. You got the identity right. Now I'm going to add something else here. And what I'm going to do, Peter, is upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And again, the issue in the recognition of Christ as the Messiah, as the Son of the living God, that is going to be the foundation of and for his church. Now, this is a passage, again, used by Rome and the Roman Catholic stuff and all that. And by the way, if Peter was the first pope, he's a bad pope. He was bad. He was married, got a mother-in-law, probably had kids. He's a fisherman. So you know what they do? They swear and drink and chew and do all that stuff you're not supposed to do, you know. <laughs> they were, boom, you know. Don't you watch Deadliest Catch? Don't you know what they are, you know. <laughs> They fight at the drop of the hat, and they'll drop the hat sometimes, you know. But so they use this passage to do that, and what they do is they play a game. They play a Greek game and a Latin game. So in the passage here, the Greek, and i got to read my notes here. So the word Peter, all right, is the word... Petros, okay? P-E-T-R-O-S. The word, that's Peter. The word rock is P-E-T-R-A. They're different, aren't they? They're different words. See that? They're not the same word. They, they, so what they do is they say, they, they, again, they play the games and they come in and they go, well, we're going to do this. Now, this is the Greek, okay? And you know me and these guys. I'm not too, that's why I got notes. Latin, because this is what they do. They, they, well, let's go to the Latin. Guess what the Latin for, for Peter is? Petros. For rock, it's Petram. Are you confused yet? But hang on, we're playing the game. Because what we now now is Spanish. (laughs) 
What is it in Spanish? Pedro. Pedro. Spell it. Pe spell it. Okay. What's rock? Yeah. Well. Okay. I don't know. Ivan. Ivan. I think it is. Ivan, I think, is what. I don't know what German is. Huh? It's John? Ivan? Okay. Well, close enough. Ricardo. Actually, I think Richard in, Germ in Russian is Peter. I don't know. That's a good. I don't. Aramaic. Okay. Now I gotta find where it was at. M I C K E Y M O U S C. Peter, see you got me all flustered. Cause no, you were. All right. So, so the Greek they're not the same. Latin they're not the same. But in Aramaic, they are the same. I can't find my note where I wrote them out what they were. So what they do then in school, in the seminaries, the cemeteries, okay, is they come up with what they call a two-document idea. A, the two-document theory was developed uh, back in the 1920s. So they, it's rooted because this is what we do. This is our tradition. And what they do is, is that they say that when you take Matthew, Mark, and Luke... Because those are the Gospels we can synopsis. We can't, they don't like John, so, all right. Then what they do is they say that there is a two-document theory where Matthew and Luke used two documents to write their Gospels. So once they use the book of Mark, and then the other one was a document that they called the Q document. So then they develop their Gospel records from those sources and the Q document. Interesting enough, guess what the Q document language is written in? It's the last one on the board, Aramaic. <laughs> and Aramaic is in the language which Peter and Rock are the same word. See how, see how just like, blah. Instead of just reading and believing and studying the book, we, don't do, we can't do that. You're in Matthew 16. Verse 8, and by the way, I, the Spanish thing's good because they are very close, but they're not the same, okay? And I, couldn't even, I won't try to say them. Yeah, it's, it's Cephas and rock. It's the same thing, exactly. All right, so instead of just believing the Bible, studying the Bible, looking at and going, by the way, when you study the Bible and you come across something that you don't understand, what do you do? Run to the commentaries. No, run to the Greek. No, keep re look for another verse to help explain where you're struggling with, right? Matthew 16, 18. Well, then, well, it, it doesn't sometimes work. Well, for you, okay, I got you. But look, look at the issue then about... The question is, who is the rock? That's the question. If it's Peter 
or is it the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, let's let Peter tell us. 2 Peter chapter 2. Again, folks, uh, you know, Bible dispensational, I'm not 2 Peter, 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2. The dispensational Bible study will help you out so many times if you just... And again, Matthew is a dispensational book. They're coming out of 400 years of silence, of no communication from the Lord. Then all of a sudden he shows up talking to Zacharias, Elizabeth's husband there, about John the Baptist's dad. Scared him half to death. He's like, huh? You, you know, and all this stuff. And, and Matthew begins to move you. The law and the prophets were until John. And then from John, we're going to preach about the kingdom and we're going to press into that. Well, the first guy talking about the kingdom is Matthew. And that, so it's a dispensational. So you've got to study this stuff out. Who's the, and by the way, the dispensational picture, one was to get that little flock rolling and get that organization of the kingdom and the government of the kingdom established. But then also we've seen all through Matthew how he takes them out to the future and dumps them into the tribulation and says, this is what's going to happen to you. You've got to learn back here so when that happens, you're good to go. Second, you got First Peter 2 now, right? Give you time to find that one. In English, in a Bible, okay? All right? I, I just do that because what happens is, honestly, is they go to that Aramaic because they are the same words. And they say, well, Matthew and, Mar and Luke use this and that, so, we're, you know, what we're, we'll just, and they just, they spin it so that you can't, I can't even articulate it correctly to you, clearly to you, not correct. Clearly, I had to read my notes, you know, just read the line. So you got to pay attention to that. First Peter 2, verse 4. Let's look at who the rock is. And that, no, this isn't the guy, the wrestler guy, you know, okay. What is his name? Dwayne Johnson. I just had it, just went right through my head, and that's okay. 2 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, 1 Peter 2 4. Disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. You see the to whom coming? To whom? He's talking about the Lord coming out of verse 3. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom coming? The Lord was coming. And, and he says, look guys, the, the, com, the, the Lord is coming, but he's a, he's a living stone. And he's been what? Rejected by men, disallowed, okay, but then he's been chosen by God. So who's the living stone in the verse? Christ is, the Lord is. Verse 7, 2 7. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is the head of the corner. And a stumbling, I'm sorry, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumbled at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. The point is, is that Christ, verse 7, unto you therefore which believed he is, he, Christ. So when you would ask Peter, come back to 1 Corinthians 10, when you ask Peter, Peter, who is the rock? You know what he would say? He'd say, Christ is the rock of offense. He's the stone of stumbling, 1 Corinthians 10. And that, that when th those guys there, 
He's the precious. He's the living stone. He's the head cornerstone. He is the rock. Here's what Paul would say, 1 Corinthians 10, verse, verse 4. And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Paul, who is the rock? Christ. Come back to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. <clears throat> Put your thinking caps on a little bit here. Matthew 21, verse 42. Matthew 21, 42. Jesus said unto them, Did ye never read in the Scripture the stone which the builders rejected? The same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. Sounds like something we just read in 1 Peter 2, isn't it? It is marvelous in our eyes. Verse 44. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall... It will grind him to powder. That reference to Daniel 9, or I'm sorry, Daniel 2, verse 44 and 45 there. Who's the rock in the passage? Who's the stone? Christ is. Who's the, again, who's the stone the builders reject? Israel's been rejecting them. He is. So if you ask Peter, Peter, who's the rock? He would say Christ. Paul, who's the rock? Christ. Christ, who's the rock? I am. <laughs> it's me. So when you come back to chapter 16, and you look here at verse 18, and I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, again, the rock is Christ, I will build my church. The, notice it's a special issue about Christ. It isn't Christ as a baby in a manger. It isn't Christ hanging on the cross. It isn't Christ walking the shores of Galilee. But rather, it's him, it's Christ as a very special character, as the Messiah. And from this passage all the way down now, Moving on out, start up back up there in verse 16 and work down through it. The issue in the passage is, a, is the revelation and the insight into the character and the work and the person of Jesus Christ as their Messiah and as their King, as the Redeemer of Israel. And come over to John chapter 20. Just run a few verses on this. John 20. John 20, verse 30. Wonderful verses here about John. People get hook up, hooked up on John and think it's, you know, I, the guy says, you know, you get saved. First book you ought to read is John because it's just so, it ain't the first book you ought to be reading. If you did that, you read John, you were so confused by the time you got halfway through it, it was ridiculous. What, what's John all about? John 20, 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But, those, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ. Why, were, why was John written the way it was written? 
that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. That's the the foundation of the kingdom church is the fact that Jesus Christ has been recognized as Israel's Messiah. And what begins to happen, come back to Matthew 16, is that's the issue. Upon this rock, the rock, again, the rock is Christ, and it's, but it's, it's more than just saying it's Christ. It's Peter's confession that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So the foundation about the church here is that issue of recognizing Christ as the Messiah. Now, what begins to happen is, is people will then move and use this issue about, well, the rock is Peter, but he, what does he say? Upon this rock I will build my what? Church. So there's the church, the body of Christ. And where the church, the body of Christ started was right here with Peter. Okay? Amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, pass the plate. All right? The interesting thing is, come back over to Acts 7. Is that that's, there's more than one church listed in the scripture. The church, people will say, oh, we live in the church age. The word church just didn't pop up in the first century, it's been there all along, okay? When you say that we live in, every age is the church age. And what people mean by saying the church age most of the time is they're talking about the, th- the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3 is what they're talking about. Okay. Look at Acts 7. Look at verse 38. Stephen gives a history of Israel. One, there's about like five chapters or so of, of throughout Scripture uh, pr- where... The history of Israel is listed. Verse 38, Acts 7, verse 38. There it is. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel, which spake to him in Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. Now he's talking about Moses. This is he. In time past, back there with Moses in the wilderness, they've come out of Egypt. And you know what they're called? The church in the wilderness. When we were down at uh, Baseline, we, were, we thought maybe we'd have to go be the church in the park. Because <laughs> there was a chance there of losing the building. But, so, no, this is the church in the wilderness. That's not the body of Christ. That's a church that's out there floating around in time past in the wilderness. But, But now come back to Matthew 16. So you got Moses and the church in the wilderness, right? But the church in Matthew 16 is a different church than even that group. There are three churches clearly identified. The church in 
the wilderness, obviously under Moses, nation of time past. Obviously the church, the body of Christ under Paul and the but now. But what we're talking about here in Matthew 16 is that kingdom church. Look at verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're reading about here. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Who is my church? Well, that would be Christ. Whose church is it? It's Christ. We just learned about who Christ is. He's the Messiah, the King of Israel. So the church is a messianic church. It's the Messiah's church. But verse 19 says it's what? It's the kingdom church. I'm going to notice verse 19. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you the keys to the body of Christ. He says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Because we're dealing with the kingdom church. And we're dealing with something very specific here. Now, what happens with that issue of church? Uh, called out, the called ones, the called out ones. Come back to Hebrews 2 with me. Hebrews 2. I'll just show you something quickly here, hopefully. Hebrews 2. And look at verse 11. Hebrews 2, 11 and 12. For both he that sanctify and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, a quote now out of Psalms 22, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. He quotes Psalms 22, 22. So let's run to Psalms 22, 22. Sounds like uh, Peyton Manning in Omaha, Omaha. Psalms 22, 22. <laughs> 22, 22. 22, 22. Here's the, here's the quote. Psalms 22, 22. I will declare my name. Now, by the way, Psalms 22 is a great psalm on the crucifixion, the first 21 verses, 20, 21 verses there. And in verse 22 to the end, he, he, he begin, you see the resurrection of Christ, his coming into the kingdom, and the establishment of, of the kingdom glory. Okay? I will declare, verse 22, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation will I praise. See how Hebrews 2 said, in the midst of the church, and Psalms 22 called it congregation. So wouldn't you think that, couldn't you say that congregation and church are synonymous, define each other? Sometimes I'll talk here about our congregation. That's what he's talking about. By the way, verse 25, my praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. That's Israel. So when you come back to Matthew 16, he's not talking about the church, the body of Christ. He's talking about that prophesied kingdom church. Come back to Matthew 19. I'm sorry, 16. Matthew 16. By the way, are you still in Psalms? 
Uh, I know. I need go to go. To, that's two. Okay. All right. <laughs> Don't. I was just messing with you, Matthew. Not really. I need you to go to Deuteronomy. Yeah, that's why. Because you're halfway back. So. No, we're not going back to Psalms. Deuteronomy 32. I, I, that thing about the rock, this is a passage that you need to have written down next to that verse. I do, um, along with about 80 other verses written down next to this. Deuteronomy 32, the Song of Moses here. Uh, we've studied this out in, in past in our Understanding Israel studies. And I'll be honest with you, uh, we study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John on Wednesday nights. We'll do the minor prophets after we're done with Mark. We'll do some other things down the road. Because I'm a firm believer that if you do not understand Israel and how God deals with them, and what he'll, he'll look at, and like in Micah 7, I was reading today, I don't know why, but we were reading Micah 7, and he says, listen, you guys are under satanic captivity right now, but I'm going to do what I told you I was going to do from the very beginning, okay? And if you don't understand Israel's program in Scripture, you have a hard time understanding Scripture, just period, not a, but even more so, you have a hard, you can, you have a hard time understanding the program today, because if he's going to say, "I'm going to do what I told you to do to Israel," and then does it, then guess what? I can have confidence in. He's going to do what he told me. He's going to do to me and the member of the church, the body of Christ. So don't think about studying this Old Testament as, "Oh my goodness, here he goes again." It's critical. Because it helps in all of our thinking. Deuteronomy 32, Song of Moses. Moses, coming to the end of his life, gives out a prophecy of the future. But he says something very interesting. Psalms 32, uh, start in verse number 3. Because I will publish the names, the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. Now, notice the capital R. That's his name. That's who he is. That's a personification of his character. What is the rock? Matthew 16. He's the Messiah, the son of the living God. He's the Christ. The character, the person, who he is. Verse 15. But Jeshurim, that's another name for Israel, wax fat and kicked. Thou art waxen fat and art grown thick. Thou art covered with fatness. I can relate to that. <laughs> then he forsook God, which may fat blessed. What are they out there doing? They're obeying the commandments of the Lord. If you obey, I'll bless you. And yet they're reaping in the benefits, but then something happened. He forsook God, which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. Capital R. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations, provoked them. They him to anger, they sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful and hast for, forgotten God that formed thee. They're in a little bit of trouble, aren't they? Somebody pop up and say, hey, we need a, we need a fertility God because it's the time of the year when everybody's having kids. And they go, oh, we'll just do this one. Or we'll do they just make them up as they go. Verse 20. 
And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. Boy, (laughs) in trouble. Drop down to verse 29. By the way, forward, uh, that's a crooked generation, perverse. And the, the, down to verse 29, you, you'll see a picture of the tribulation come down on them and, and get them. Verse 29, oh that, oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight except their rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up? For their rock, notice it's a small r, verse 31, isn't that interesting? Verse 31, is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. The big R is the Lord, is Christ, but what's that little R? That's all those phony gods, exactly. That's all that, that's all that, Idol, we call it Baal worship. They're out there chasing the idols and, and they're worshiping icons and they got all the religious ceremonies and all that mess going on. And you keep reading, look at verse 38, verse 37. And he shall say, Where are thy gods? Their rock in whom they trusted, which did eat the fat of their sacrifice and drank the wine of their drink offerings. Let them rise up and help you and be your... Pr-. He looks at them and he says, Listen, you guys forsook me. I was, I was your banner. I was your provider. And you went after some dumb thumps sitting things over here that you got to pick up and dust under. Let them take care of you. So when you come back to Matthew 16, I didn't want to miss Deuteronomy 32... The rock issue is the fact that here he sits as the Messiah. And when the Messiah sits there, then that's his church. He's the foundation. Paul says that our foundation, we're going to build, we're going to build on the foundation. The foundation is who? Jesus Christ. That's what the Lord's saying here. All right, verse 18. Matthew 16. Yes, I'm sorry. Matthew 16. And I, sh- uh, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, again, that recognition about Jesus being the Messiah. By the way, I'm emphasizing that. You've got to get that in your head. Okay? I will build my... The, the Messiah, the Messianic church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, hell is a real place. We've studied it out. It has gates on it. And gates have bars on them. You go over to Jonah, Jonah 2, verse 6. He talks about going down into hell and the bars that are there. The gates have keys. You know, you go over there and you can unlock them. In Hebrews... He talks about he came and destroyed him that had the keys of death and hell. Keys mean authority. So when you come over here to, now to verse 19, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, 
And whosoever, and what's, I'm sorry, whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now again, very misused, abused, and misunderstood verse. You know, we've all seen the guys on TV that'll say, if you bind it, it'll be bound. If you loose it, it'll, and all, all you got to do is have a little faith of a mustard seed, and you'll move it all, okay? As, I'm sorry? And send a donation. Don't forget the donation. <laughs> That's true. But notice, again, he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. That's authority. If I give you a key to this church building, what am I giving you? The rights, the authority to come into the building anytime you want, come and go as you please. Okay? If you have the keys, you have free access to it. That's the issue here. And what he's doing to Peter here, this is Peter, is he's saying, Peter, I'm going to give to you the keys, the access, the control, the authority. And you, Peter, alone... You bind it, it'll be bound. You loose it, it'll be loosed. You, Peter, are the chief of the apostles. Okay? Now, watch chapter 18. We're not there yet in our study, but guess what he does in chapter 18? He does some things in chapter 18 for the disciples, the little flock. Matthew 18, 18. Verily I say unto you, now, it's interesting. Look at verse 17. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the who? Oh, the church. So we're in the group, but if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. <laughs> Same thing Paul does. Paul says, if he ain't going to hear the word, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Mark him and avoid him. Get him out of there. You don't need him. That's what they're doing. It's church discipline. But watch verse 18. Verily I say unto you, and again, he's talking to the disciples. He's talking to the little flock, the people in the Messianic church. And he says, Whatsoever ye bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Wow, you've heard that before, haven't you? J.C. O'Hare used to say, when two or three are gathered, take up a collection. <laughs> I heard that since I was this, you know, about that tall, you know. Uh, and I could remember hearing things from Dad. Notice what he says. When two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. I'm in the midst of them. Now, that's not a, pair, a prayer promise or any of the stuff that you see the hoodly do. What that is, is that is producing the quorum needed to make a decision about something. The quorum that is needed to do, of the 12 in the midst of that messianic church if that church 
he's going to give that church the authority to act in his absence. He's going to go away. He's going to commission them. And he gives the authority to them to bind and to loose it. In other words, he's giving them the authority to act in his absence, to act for him. But he, 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 and again, he not only gives them power to do it, he tells them how to do it. And here, here's the quorum necessary to pass an official action. When our board meeting gets together, when we, and especially here in the summer, we count how many of us are there. Because <laughs> we, we need a what? A quorum. Okay. There's, what, five of us, six of us, something like that? So we need at least, what, how many? Two or three. So we got three of us, so we can figure something out. We understand that. You understand that. And that's what he's dealing with here. He's like, listen, guys, when you guys come together, go back to Matthew 16, uh, Matthew 16 when, you, when you guys get together, and you're going to start making decisions based upon my absent, Matthew 16, 19. Peter, you can do it without the quorum. You can come in and you can do it and you can agree and you can bind it. You can loose it. You can do whatever you need to do and it'll be done in heaven, no questions asked. But the rest of you, you got to have your quorum together. you got to be doing certain things. Okay? So in Acts 1, when they chose Matthias to be the 12th apostle, they did what? They bound it on earth, and guess where it was bound? In heaven. Come, on, come over to Galatians 2. This helps to, when you get into passages like Galatians 2, and you begin to see the, signific the significance of what is transpiring. I'll give unto you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now watch it happen in Galatians 2. This is the Acts 15 event. Galatians 2, verse 9. And when James, Cephas, there's Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me. So how many do we have? We got three. We got the big guy, Cephas, but we got two more, so we got three. They gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship. What did they do? They bound, but they're going to lose something too here. That we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. The twelve apostles... Were they commissioned to go ever to go to the heathen? The answer is no. He said to, to go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Did that include the heathen? Sure it did. But in that passage in Galatians 2, what did they do? They loosed themselves from going the responsibility of going to the heathen. When were they going to go to the heathen? Who had to be fixed first? Israel then the Samaritans, then the uttermost parts of the earth. So ultimately they were to get to the heathen, but they had a step, they had a process. When they gave Paul and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, they let that heathen part go. 
they loosed it. Okay? So the so-called Great Commission, the post-resurrection commission, went out of commission in Acts 15. That's where it went away. The re- I personally, my own personal, private, humble opinion, is that you had the three there because you needed two or three. Because in Acts 15, who's been on the scene already for several years? At least 14 years. The Apostle Paul. So Peter and them had already been losing their authority. And Paul steps in. They, give that, they make that agreement. They bind themselves to go to the circumcision only. So if someone walked in and they said, hey, I want to get saved, Peter would have had to have said, go, got to go talk to Paul. No matter the man's nationality, go talk to Paul. They perceived the grace. They understood what Paul was doing. We're just sitting here with the circumcision believers. The James there is the pastor of the church. James the Apostle's dead. But he's still a what? He's still a leader. He's part of that quorum. No, sir. They were sending them to Paul. That Paul, because Paul is the due time testifier, that use of the word heathen, unbelieving, and the use of the word circumcision, okay, in Galatians 2. Circumcision was who? A believing Jew. Heathen, then what happened to the unbelieving Jew? They became heathen, see. When, when, when Stephen looked at them in Acts 7 and said, you're uncircumcised in your hearts and ears, he declared them unbelieving Jews. So they, came, they went into what category? The heathen category. Gentiles have always been there. We're good to go. We know where we belong. Yes. But the Jews, the apostates, they were, had to be declared that. That's why Acts 7 Stephen's declaration as he pictures the Holy Spirit declaring for the final time, you guys are doomed for judgment. So the apostles would come in. If someone came into the to Peter, he would say, I'm sorry, buddy, but you've got to go talk to Paul. It's, you know, he's got the message. Now, it doesn't mean that Peter might not have given him Paul's gospel, but... It is the fact that they went to who to get the message, Paul. That's the point, okay? You look later on in Acts, Paul makes it to Jerusalem, and James is there, and he says, look at all the devout followers of the law. See, James was doing a no-no. They were supposed to only be with the circumcision. He broke the agreement. He's out there zealous of the law. He's gotten followers in. So when those people came in, he didn't say, listen, we need to talk about Paul's gospel. He said, let's, you know, so you got trouble now. you got issues, okay? Anyway, go back to Matthew 16. So, again, dispensational Bible study helps clarify it, but also looking for other verses, put them together. Uh, Matthew 16, and look at verse number 19. Um, no, verse 20. I think we've hammered 19. Verse 20. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. 
you know what he's saying there? It's too late. It's too late to go out and tell people about it now. And you guys can't go tell them. He told Jeremiah, don't pray for those people about Israel. Now he's going to tell them, by the way, with Jeremiah, why did he tell them not to pray for them? What was coming? The Babylonian captivity. Judgment was coming. So here he says, it's too late. And that's what really what the idea here is, is where he's telling his disciples, you see, that revelation about who I am, about me, I am the Messiah, you can't go tell anybody about it. Because we'll watch verse 21. Now we'll pick up in 20 next time. Time's up, but look at verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Notice it doesn't say, at this point, it doesn't say that he continued to tell them. It says that he began to tell them about going to to Jerusalem and to die. So prior to Matthew 16, 21, the Lord had never told his disciples that he was going to die. He starts now. If he had told them prior to Matthew 16, 21, then Matthew 16, 21 is a lie. So this is a kind of a critical little point to, to maybe stop. By the way, what did Peter do in verse 22? Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. I tell you what, Peter ain't shy. <laughs> but what does the Lord do? Verse 23, Peter, but he turned and said unto him, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Get behind, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense. I mean, the Lord just rebukes him right back. And what happens here now is he begins to introduce the issue of his crucifixion. So much so that down in verse 27, for the Son of Man shall come into the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So he's going to talk about his death and his resurrection, and then he's going to set them up. But verse 20 it's too late for those people. I'm done with them. If I got to interact with them, I'm going to speak to them in what? Parables. You'll get it, believing remnant, but those, those guys, no way. They're not going to get it. He says, I got to go to Jerusalem, and I got to die. I got to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to ascend. The kingdom's going to come so he's now going to introduce his his suffering his rejection and then glory that's going to be according to prophecy but he's also going to begin to introduce their suffering and their rejection 
and yet their glory and that kingdom that's going to come over there as well. And it's all based upon him being the rock, the Messiah. And that kingdom church is going to be, the foundation is going to be on him. You got time for one more verse? Look at Ephesians. I know I said oh, we were done. We'll pick up in verse 20, 20 21 next time. We'll go over Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Down in verse number 20. We're just jumping into the doctrine, but I just it's interesting. Verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostle and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, and whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. You see that thing in verse 20? Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, but Jesus Christ is the what? He's the chief stone. He's the chief corner. He's the rock. Now, that's Paul talking about our side of the building. We have apostles. Paul is the apostle, but Bart, Titus and Timothy and other guys were apostles. We have that office of prophets, but also Israel too, didn't they? Where we had one, we have one, they had 12. They had all that, but who's the chief cornerstone? He is. So that's, it's fascinating to me that Paul picks up on that issue about him being the rock. He's it, Okay. We'll pick up in verse 21. We'll finish the chapter next time, hopefully. <laughs> okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for everything that we have in your son, for all that you've given to us. We rejoice in that, and we just uh, are thankful for all of that. In your name we pray. Amen.